I, I kind of tried to figure out what to title this. I had different titles, and I said, no, that, that's not what I want to title this, and I'll tell you in a little bit. Um, but I will tell you, digital world has changed everything. Um, I've got folders in my filing cabinet in my office of sermons that date way, way back, paper copies, because that's the way you had to do it. And uh, I guess back in, in the early 2000s, I just started, maybe it was earlier than that, but I know somewhere around that, I just started creating a folder on my computer, and, and I've got all of my messages, in, and, and I'll create another folder this week called 2018 Sermons. So I can go back and look at what I preached at in 2006 or 2007, all of those things. Uh, I did bring my earliest form of trying to keep up with some of my notes right here, a little red book. It has sermon titles, 1970. And in here, I've got a, a prayer list of families here that I kept in this little book. And I was telling Shane about it. My very first sermon I preached was in 1970. You know, a five-year-old kid can preach. I wasn't five years old. No, <laughs> no I was. But I told him, I said, here's, here's uh, I preached from Matthew chapter 11, 28 through 30. And it's the passage, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. My yoke is easy. And my sermon title was, it's easy to be a Christian. And uh, so that's, that's. That's the thoughts of a stupid young guy trying to preach. And I was like, I look at that now and says, what was I thinking? <laughs> Preaching heresy. But uh, I, I want to title this message, this is the last message of 2017, Focus. Are you ready? Focus. I'm, I'm going to try not to preach heresy today. Um, 2017, last day. And I just say those words and it just seems strange to me sometimes. 2017, 2018. Back in the 60s, uh, George Orwell, Orwell wrote a novel titled 1984. It was close. 1984. He wrote it 35 years, I believe. He published it 35 years before... 1984, and it was this novel of Big Brother, government becoming, <laughs> it wasn't prophetic, but, uh, and I don't know what he thought it was prophetic, but it was li like looking 35 years into the future. And I think if somebody published a book today, a novel for 35 years into the future, what would that be? 2052 and then 53 tomorrow. Now, can anybody in their right mind think of 2052? I'm not going to be here either. I could be here, but I don't know if I would know I'm here. You know? That would be the problem. Yeah, I, I could be here if I take better care of myself. But, you know, we don't, we don't look like that. Look at things like that, do we? 35 years, but it was this, and it captured people's ideas and it all kind of novels that followed. H.G. Wells wrote one, and maybe he was the one that provoked this one, but people looking so far ahead, and they got apocalyptic ideas in, in their mind. 
And it's amazing how time goes by so fast. It seems like it's going faster. And we move into a new year, and there's three things I want to give you to focus on as you move from 2017 to 2018. And this is going to be a little different message because I'm going to introduce each of those focus, each of, of the ones that we're going to focus on with a song. How's that? All right. The focus of the first one I'm going to introduce with this song, All Hail the Power of Jesus' Name. I know it's a very familiar song to all of you. But it's one of the great hymns of the church. Can you sing this with me? All hail the power of Jesus' name. Let angels prostrate fall. Bring forth the royal diadem and crown him, Lord of all. Bring forth the royal diadem and crown him, Lord of all. Ye chose seed of Israel's race ye ransom from the fall hail him who saved you by his grace and crown him Lord of all hail him who saved you by his grace and crown him Lord of all. Let every kindred, every tribe on this terrestrial ball. To him all majesty ascribe and crown him Lord of all, to him all majesty ascribe and crown him Lord of all. One more. Oh, that with yonder sacred throng we at his feet may fall. We'll join the everlasting song and crown him Lord of all. We'll join the everlasting song and crown him Lord of all. I'm speaking of the wonder and the majesty of the name of Jesus. All hail the power of Jesus' name. May all glory be to him. The Apostle Paul wrote a couple places, and I refer the first time to Colossians chapter 1, one of the great chapters in him describing the supremacy of Jesus. You cannot go wrong reading Colossians 1 
And over in Philippians, it mirrors it a little bit over in his letter to the church at Philippi. You'll find these words in verse 15 and following. This is Colossians 1, 15. The focus on Jesus, the centrality of Jesus. Well, pastor, isn't that just a, isn't that a given? No, it's not. Because we can be pulled into interests and emphases that has nothing to do with the Lord. You can, you can post a lot of things on social media and people will read it, but sometimes when it's a, an extended multi-paragraph thing about Jesus, we don't have time for that. But we have time to watch all kinds of funny videos. I'm just saying that there's nothing... I'm not condemning that. I'm just saying we need to refocus on the centrality of Jesus in our lives. Not just on Sunday, not for a morning devotion, not at some time when we retire for the evening and we pray, but the, the centrality of Jesus that captures our, our minds and our hearts and the wonder and the majesty of him. Listen to these words that Paul writes to the church at Colossae. Verse 15, the Son, Jesus, is the very image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, he is in all things, and all things is held together by him. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the head of this group. Amen. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead so that in everything he might have the supremacy, that he might have the very focus of our lives. And through him to reconcile to himself. You said something the other, uh, just moments earlier about the year of reconciliation that was preached by Chris Hodges. He says this is, the, this is how Christ wants to do every day. It's to reconcile. Reconcile what or whom? Through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether it's on earth, things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. The centrality of Christ. He gets to this point again in Philippians 3 when he says, and I want to know him. This is a man that had a miraculous introduction to Jesus. A visible physical experience and encounter with Christ on the road to Damascus that's well chronicled in scripture and history. A man that had absolutely no idea of who he was dealing with but he met him that day and the encounter he had revolutionized his life and from that day on Jesus was the very focus of this man's life and he's writing he's writing I want to know him I want to know him. You know, the, the follow-up that is like, you don't know him? <laughs> That's not what he's saying, is it? I want to know him more. There's more to him than what I know. Oh, that God would stir a more hunger in our lives. More of a thirst for the presence of Jesus. How did he say he wanted to know Jesus? I want to know him in the power of his resurrection. 
And then NIV says in the participation of his suffering, the fellowship, the koinonia of his suffering. I want to know everything about him. I want to experience everything, including a participation in his suffering. That, that's not too often we pray that, do we? Lord, I just want to know what it is to suffer with you. And yet, Paul was hungry for every facet of the knowledge of who Jesus is. The fellowship, the koinonia, the participation of suffering, being made like him in death so that somehow I can attain to the resurrection from the dead. The centrality of this one life, Jesus, the Son of God, our most profound focus has to be on him. And it is about Christ, is it not? Isn't the Christian? I mean, Christmas is about him. Christianity is about him. It is not a religion. It is not a denomination. Christianity is an experience with the Son of God. And he wants that to be our focus. There is none who can save us but Jesus. There is none who can heal us. There is no one who can restore us. There is no one who can comfort us like we really need comforting. There is no one who can lift the burdens and the weights off of our life like he can. There is no one that shows up in our worst moment, in our worst place, like he shows up. Comes in and lifts us when we're not really willing or wanting to go forward. And yet he seems to move us that way, doesn't he? We have an identity. We have a name. All of us have a name here. I think everybody here has a social security number. You know, my mom, I think I can credit my mom. I wish I could really recall the story of how she named me Charles David. I really like that name. It has a nice ring to it. Well, when my mother would say it like that, it didn't have a very nice ring to it. When she added the middle name, it was not good. But you know something? If I didn't like my name, I could legally change it. Do you know that? You know there's people that legally change their name to uh, Santa Claus. Yeah. There's people that even have changed their name legally to Jesus Christ. Now, that would be a little scary. But legally, you can walk in and, and you can just give them a random thing and says, I want that to be my name. I can legally change my name. There was an NFL football player who wanted to put his, his number, his number, jersey number is 85. He wanted to put that on his jersey in Spanish. So the only way he could do that was legally change his name to Ocho Cinco. Ocho Cinco. Ocho Cinco. Touchdown. Ocho Cinco. They called him by his name because that's, he legally changed his name. So he could, I thought, well, that's a little out there, isn't it? But maybe this is not even close to another guy that changed his name, Ron Artes. Anybody here remember what Ron Artes changed his name to? <laughs> No, not just world peace. Meta world peace. Every time he scored a basket, they had to do the world peace. World peace just got two points. 
I don't know. You have to ask him why he did it. <laughs> I'm, but, but here's the thing. We can legally change our name, but there's only one that can change who we are. People can call themselves whatever they, they can choose whatever name they want, but there's only one name that can change who you are. The essence of who you are internally. And that's the name of Jesus. What a neat way the service went when I knew I was going to be talking about the centrality of Jesus and the wonder and the majesty of his name. And it just kind of began to focus on that, the centrality of Christ. Can I just challenge you to put this somewhere in writing or in your mind to make a note and says, Lord, how can I increase the centrality of who you are in my life? these next 365 days. In 2018, how can, how can I, what can I do to bring my focus closer to you and not on all this other stuff that has nothing beneficial to me? Randy Alcorn, who is considered one of the great biblical uh, geniuses, experts on heaven, Tweeted the other day, yes, I read some people's tweets. But he tweeted like, why would I want to listen to talk radio when I can listen to the Word of God? It does me more good. And I, when I read that, I said, wow, he's speaking to a lot of us. What do we, that's one of the ways we can say, how can the centrality of Jesus become more prominent in our lives. What can we do to make him more prominent? And like Paul writes, I want to know him. I want to know him more. I want to experience him more. Here's a second focus. And I want to introduce it through this song. This is one of Isaac Watts' great hymns that he wrote. Yes, I'm pulling them out from way, way back, okay? But I can tell you this, and I mentioned this before. Charles Wesley wrote hundreds of hymns and he one time said, I would give up all of the hymns I've ever written if I could have written that one when I survey the wondrous cross. You ready to try it with me? You ready, Brenda? Okay, you think I, you think I can pull this off? Ooh, you got to have a little bit more faith in me there, dear. I saw that. She doesn't... She didn't want me to embarrass me, or her, rather. When I survey the wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died, my richest gain, I count but loss and poor contempt on all my pride. And we got to sing these others because it escalates. Forbid it, Lord, that I should boast. Think about this. Safe in the death of Christ, 
my God, all the vain things that charm me most, I sacrifice them to his blood. See, from his head, his hands, his feet, sorrow and love flow go down. Did e'er such love and sorrow meet? Our thorns compose so rich a crown. One more. Were the whole realm of nature. Love this stanza. That were a present far too small. Love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my my all requires all of me. What requires all of me? The cross, his death. This song brings his death into clear focus for us. Not that he died for us. We know that. We can even say it and it not really do anything. But when you think about him doing that voluntarily for us, the centrality of the cross. And kind of like in Philippians 3.10 where Paul says, he kind of refers to that, doesn't he? I want to know him. How do I want to? I want to know him because he was crucified on a cross or his suffering. I want, to, I want to tap into the participation of that. And isn't that what Jesus told these men early on about if they really wanted to follow him? What did he say to them? If you're really wanting to be my disciples, you must first... Deny yourself. Secondly, take up your cross and follow me. Follow me in the surrendered life. Follow me, follow me in the crucified life. That is not what I want, but it's what the Father wants. It's, it's the prayer in Gethsemane that Jesus prayed. Father, not my will, but your will. He said, that's the crucified life. That's going to the cross. That's bearing our cross, surrendering what we want in preference for him. The focus is on the cross. Our focus has to rest on the cross. There's a elevation song has, has a song. I'm not going to try to sing it because, you know, I might not do so well with that. But here's the chorus from this mighty cross song by Elevation Church. Oh, the cross of Jesus Christ is the reason I'm alive. For his blood has set me free. It will never lose its power for me. 
Paul hardly started the introduction of his letter to the church at Corinth in the very first opening paragraphs of 1 Corinthians 1, he writes this in verse 17, For God did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with eloquent words of wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. He was telling them that the the cross is the essence of the power of God because it breaks everything that's ever come across and against your life. It breaks those things off. There's no explanation for what David Wilkerson did in the streets of New York City. There's no explanation for heroin addicts to be completely delivered without any any other thing happening other than people praying for them all night. You, you, either, you either died from heroin or somebody killed you. So, there was no deliverance of heroin addiction. And here comes this Pennsylvania country preacher into the busy streets of New York with the idea that Jesus could actually deliver people from their bondages through the power of the cross. And he says this in verse 18, For the message of the cross... The message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved, it is the power of God. When you read that, you have to say, the cross has to be, in some place, my focus. And here's the last one. And and this is, we're going to have an audio of it in just a moment. This is a more modern song, so y'all can say, hey, yeah, come on now, yeah. You know, we don't even understand the words they wrote in 1600s or 1700s. But it's one of the songs we use on our Sunday night prayer time. It's a Clint Brown song, Worship the King. Before we play it and sing it together, I was reminded of Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who uh, was martyred at the end of World War II, just days before Hitler committed suicide, his last order was to execute Dietrich Bonhoeffer, a Lutheran preacher who had been in prison because, you know, he was out trying to plan Hitler's assassination. Hallelujah. <laughs> so, well, how do you do that? Well, maybe if you was in Germany, you'd be planning it too. But the man just lived his life for the glory of God and he saw this cancer that was in his nation his nation, they loved Germany. And he just could not stand back and just let things go. He lifted his voice, and I guess he did more than that, but he was arrested and in prison, and it's the last order that Hitler gave. In the 1930s, Dietrich Bonhoeffer came over to New York City and attended Union Theological Seminary in New York City. And... uh, and he went, to, he, went to a, he went to Lutheran churches in New York City, and he came away saying this, there's no gospel here. There's no gospel here. There's no, there's no gospel. Where's the gospel? Where, where, is the, where is the focus on Jesus? You know where he found the, found the place that really felt like the gospel? He went up to Harlem. There's a, an African-American student at Union that says, well, why won't you come to church with me? And, and he was blown away by the reality of these people who really have experienced the power of Jesus. 
and even took, I mean, when, when you're from Germany and you're used to high church music and you go into Harlem and you, you hear worship, he took recordings back with him. He wanted to play it for people in Germany. He says, look, listen to this. These are people who've really experienced this. And when he was given, when he was given the care of taking ordination candidates in the Lutheran church to, order, to be ordained, and they had these, these getaway camps that they would have, and they would have a regimentation. He told these young men, he says, you're not to talk to anyone in the morning until you talk to Jesus. Don't come to breakfast unless you've had time with Jesus. And what he's talking about is worship. Our focus has to be on worship. Now, if you're familiar with this song, Shane's going to play it for us. And uh, none of us have a voice like Clint Brown, but we can give it a go. See, this is the kind of volume I turn it on when I'm here by myself. Sing it. We are in his presence. To magnify his name. When we seek his face. It's a great prayer song, isn't it? Refills this place as we worship the king. Worship Worship the King. We are in His presence to magnify His name. When we seek His face, glory fills this place as we worship the King. Worship the King, worship the King, we are in His presence to magnify His name, when we seek His face, glory fills this place as we worship, we worship you, Lord. Worship the King, worship the King, we are in His presence to magnify Your name. When we seek His face, His glory fills this place as we worship. We worship You, Lord. Worship the King, worship the King, we are in Hallelujah. When we seek His face, glory fills this place as we worship the King, as we worship. Hallelujah.
Hallelujah. We worship you, Lord. We worship you, Lord. That's the exact scripture I have here in my notes. God seeks true worshipers who worship him in spirit and truth. It's not where you worship. It's how you worship. Singing is singing. It can be worship. Doesn't necessarily mean it is worship. Praise and worship are different. Praise is telling great things about God. Worship is yielding to the authority and the power of God. Extolling Him with the soul. The woman at the well had it all wrong. She thought it was about location. I'm afraid that we may even be guilty of that as well. Where do you worship? <laughs> Somebody asks you that, where would you say? I hope you wouldn't say 3801 Skyland Boulevard. I hope you'd say, I worship everywhere. Wherever I go, I worship. Maybe it'd be good to, you know, if the praise team can come up, maybe it'd be good if we just decide that I'm going to start every day with worship. I'm going to start every day. I'm, I want to tell you, I, I am a music person. I love music, and I have all kinds of music like. I love singing that Isaac Watts song, When I Survey the Wonders Cross. The reason I love it is that I can worship in it. It's not just a music preference. I, here's where I think we've made a grave mistake 
is that we've determined the presence of God and the level of the presence of God according to the style of music and the style of the song. And it has nothing to do with that. It has our wonder and our, our awe about who he is and, and being overwhelmed by him. And we, I love the hymns because it gives me an opportunity to worship him that way. I love Clint Brown, Keith Green, and, you know, I, Selah. It's just endless. You can just elevation, Bethel music. I mean, this is this everywhere. You can you can just like, Lord, I just and sometimes you just need to make up your own worship song. Tell you the truth, when I'm listening to Clint Brown, I become Clint Brown. I don't sing with the backup singers. I sing his part. I know his part. I I, I determined not to do that in that rendition of it. But it's just because I want to I want to I want to encourage sing it sing it with me sing it come on sing it with me sing it because he deserves it not because it makes a fuller sound in the sanctuary we ought to sing it because he deserves it to be sung and he deserves our heart not just our vocal cords he deserves not just our abilities to play an instrument or sing but the soul our soul declaring who he is to us and you can do that every day I hope worship becomes a greater focus of your life I've said before I think I think I'd rather listen to George Beverly Shea of course he's gone on to be with the Lord to sing Amazing Grace with a head cold than the most talented vocalists around sing it without the presence of God. There is a big difference. In this last day of 2017, I want to encourage you to focus on the centrality of Jesus, the centrality of the cross, and your personal life of worship to determine Lord I want to be one of those people that we just had a a prophetic word one of those people who decides I'm going to worship you in spirit and in truth and believe me that's easier to do when you're by yourself it is so let's do it let's just make a decision today to do that. Stand with us as we worship Him.